0: Welcome back to another episode of Beneath It All. This is your host, Suzanne Guries. And today I'm joined by the one and only Rashad Griffith. He played here at the University of Wisconsin, but decided to leave to play professional ball overseas as well. He played in the NBA too for 17 years. But the really what I want to dig in today with you is that you decided to come back to the University of Wisconsin to pursue your degree and get a higher education. Mm-hmm. Rashad Griffith, thank you for joining me today. Uh, thank you for having me. This is going to be a great, great chat. I'm excited to dig in and understand your story because as, as most people know, this beneath it all is, is more than accolades, it's more than what well, the jersey that we wear, but we have stories mm-hmm. that inspire us to be where we are today. Yeah. So, Rashad, kind of give us a story of where you're from and what made you come to the University of Wisconsin-Madison?
1: Um, well, I'm a Chicago kid. I'm born and raised on the South Side of Chicago. Um, I'm by my mother, um, Mary Lane Griffith, and my brother Delandre Griffith, and my sister Tiffany. And um, you know, basketball for me, because uh, I grew up in the inner city, so projects, um, especially the later part of my um, later part of my high school career, um, and the projects on um, we call them the low ends in Chicago. But uh basketball for me was a way out yeah um if it wasn't for basketball and me being blessed with the talent and abilities that I had, then I probably wouldn't have went to college yeah, um, my mother and father couldn't afford to send me to to college I mean like for instance, I'm the one that went, even though my brother and my sister are both successful now, but I'm the only one that went to college so um my brother's uh um, my sister nursing school and my brother um drives trucks and he's been doing this for like seventeen about 17 years now. And because um, I'm in the middle and then my brother's the youngest. But um basketball was the way out. Um I started late, I started playing in seventh grade. Um and in one year of me playing basketball, I went from being unknown to a household name. So for my entire seventh grade to my junior year in high school I was the number one player in the country, Um, out of Chicago. I played for one of the most feared, most dominating high school teams in the country in um, Martin Luther King High School in Chicago. Um, The only inner city team to ever win a national championship. Um, I lost four games in high school, uh, two my sophomore year and two my junior year, Um, two undefeated seasons, two state championships, two city, one national championship. Um, Player of the year, all, all all American art accolades. I got recruited by every major university there was. Duke, Kentucky, wow. Carolina, all of them. Ohio State, um, I chose I chose Wisconsin. I said, I was gonna go somewhere where I knew somebody where they can show me the ropes. So here, I knew um Howard Moore, Tracy Webster, and Michael Finley. Um, Michigan, I knew Juwan Howard. Jalen Rose, um, C Webb, because we played on the same kind of circuits. Um, and at Purdue, um, at Purdue, it was um, Glenn Robinson. So I knew these guys personally. So those were my only recruiting business I went on. Yeah. I didn't go to the Dukes and in the, in the care. I didn't go to those schools. They came, Kentucky and all of them, they came for home business and stuff like that. But I didn't go to like, on official visits to those schools. I only took three of my yeah. five official visits. And um, I chose Wisconsin. Stu Jackson had just got through um, pre- a couple years previous before I got here, coaching the New York Knicks and um, Patrick Ewing. So I was like, "Hmm." I'm like, and that was Pat's best year. Yeah. As a um, as being a because Stu gave him the ball. So I'm like, man, I'm like, I gotta go to Wisconsin. Got I got I got three Chicago guys who I all know personally, um, and I got Stu. And plus, I wanted to be part of something. Yeah. I wanted to be part of something bigger. Mm. That five, five was already established. Glenn was already gonna be the clear cut number one pick in the draft whenever whenever he decided to come out. You know what I'm saying? So I was like I wanted something I can call my own. Yeah. And something I can call my own was coming to Wisconsin. See, you don't know, but when I came here, none of this stuff was wasn't like this. Yeah. Training table like, the way it is right mm. now that y'all have. Um I literally, my two years here, I ate twice in training table out of two years. Why, I, why I, was that? The food was the food was nasty. to me the food was nasty <laughs> um it's not like it is right now yeah. sometimes y'all get gourmet meals um but um the food, so i ate subway for two for uh for like two years because wow. i lived in the region yeah. and we had a subway right in the um in the, on the first floor okay. so they knew me so i'd go in and give me two subs right, right or whatever you know I, I ate pre-game meal of course and stuff yeah. like that that was different that that got catered in or whatever but um but man it was just like it's just like, it was an experience. And I'm, and the reason that God puts you in, in places and he puts things in front of you and you don't know at that point in time, yeah. whether it's people or an event or whatever it may be, but you found out later. So I found out later, I was part of that turnaround. Men's basketball hadn't been to the tournament in 47 years till yeah. my freshman year. I was the only piece that they put in. We had three other two freshmen, but they didn't play. Wow. So I was the only one I started. Um, both my years, my um, two years here. So the
0: opportunity that you had here was, was great. It was something that could benefit you in the long run.
1: It benefited me to the long to to right now today. Yeah. Because um, go ahead.
0: I want to kind of refer back to what you were saying. You said you obviously you grew up in NC Chicago. Mm-hmm. Basketball is your only only way out. Yeah. For a lot of a lot of kids, for a lot of youth, you know, they feel like sports are their only way out because, especially in NC the Chicago, there's always drugs, you know, going yeah, on, gang banging. Yep. Um, how did, you, how did you get away from that? Was, was it ba- obviously basketball, but were, was it your parents that inspired you to go work harder? Um,
1: my mother and father didn't play sports. Okay. Um, my mother was six feet, wow. um, so she, that's where I got my height from. My brother's six-five, my sister, she's average height. So, um, but um, once everyone seen that I had an opportunity to make something of myself, my cousin, I grew up, uh, my cousin my family was Gangster Disciple. That's mm-hmm. what it was. And how it was told to me by one of my older cousins, he's like, look, this is what I know, street life. This is what I do. Don't have a, the ability to play basketball or do what you do. Yeah. He was just like, so with that being said, you better not never be. I hear about you selling drugs, doing drugs, or gangbanging. There's no need for you to do that. Concentrate on what you need to do.
0: You need that's something. great because I feel like within a lot of families, obviously the leader of like the gangs are typically your cousins and your uncles, and they usually like you said they usually say no, don't do it. But a lot of them typically say, hey, you should get involved in this, yep. and that's hard. That's hard for us the youth to kind of decide, because especially during adolescence, you're trying to figure out what's right from wrong. Right. So I'm happy that you had the family members to tell you no, yeah. because some don't have family business, family that say know. They mm-hmm. just go after you and they say, hey, this is all I know.
1: And it's hard. The hard thing about that is this. When you see people that you grew up around and they've been there since day one, and you see what they're doing, yeah. and they're telling you not to do it, but they're doing it. It's just like, but you you doing it. doing it. Yeah, but you're doing it. So it's just like, it's like when like with kids. So you'll find this out when you have kids. It's just like, if I tell my son he can't be on social media, but then he see me doing it on my daughter, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. He's gonna be like, well dad, you doing it. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, hmm, lead by example. That's what, that's actually, funny I'm talking about that, that's what brought me back here because when I retired in 2000, um, 2010, I started doing camps with one of my partners, Darnell Osley. We started doing camps and holding camps, like ten week camps for the kids when they got out of school in Chicago. In Chicago, okay. and so the purpose of the camp was for, to keep them busy throughout the entire summer till, till it's time for them to get ready to go back to school yes. and to teach them.
0: Because during that time, during the summer, that, I feel like that's when all the activity is going around, all the kids and out outside, yeah? you know, every, a so, lot of gangbanging, banging, fighting. That's and that's why it's important to have camps and get people involved. You have people that are leaders in your community to to show the way, to show and lead, like, hey, I'm doing this, you could do it too. Mm -hmm. But that's why, especially in the black community, we don't have that a lot. And that is, that's why we need more people to come back to school, to get a higher education and say, hey, we do have people that can represent Mm -hmm. and and do this. So I think it's important to lead by example.
1: And you know what, you know, I I love giving back to my community and giving back to the youth but it comes at a cost, and so what we did, it, when you hold a camp, it has to be done right. So, we did it, we stressed education over basketball. Yes, we called, um, we did basketball, yes, yeah, so we did drills, it was like a job. They'd be there, we started at nine in the morning, you finish at five o'clock in the evening. Hmm. They went to school, the class, They we told them how to eat, well, condition, so they condition, we had corporate conditioning, so where everybody in the camp, you sitting there, we conditioning. Everybody, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And. Some of the kids didn't, but you know, the thing is, my pleasure that I get out of it is seeing when they see the change in their game and in their physical strength, and then they sit up, there like, oh, I can do this now, or oh, I can do that, or whatever, and you can start seeing. That's me, it's the hard part is getting them to do it. The other part that's mm-hmm. difficult with that is when you sit there and you're trying to do this, the parents and everybody, they want a discount or they want this or they want that you yes. know what i'm saying and it's hard to do that unless you're being sponsored by somebody it's hard to do that because we got to pay for the food right y'all not i mean the, that's what they that's what they don't understand so we had to really sit there and break down to the parents this is why this camp costs as much it's not like it's going into our pocket we have to pay for the food we got to pay for this gym we gotta pay for that. You so we're pay not for clear so yeah. we're not clearing. It's not like we all what you're giving us is going in our pocket and it's being divided up four ways. No. It's good.
0: right. And I think that's what's the miss like interpretation or misconception of like A U Ball too. A lot of players are like, Well, I don't wanna pay thirteen hundred dollars to be able to put my son or daughter into a program when they're not getting worthwhile. But like you said, you're paying this for everything. It's, yeah. it's including every little thing. Yeah. And it's unfortunate that it's costing a lot, but at least you gotta at least try to help these young kids yeah. to show them like this is the way to do it.
1: Yeah, and that's what brought me back here because I was talking about education. So one of the kids asked me, Coach, if you always talking about us going to school, it Was like, did you get your degree? And I'm like, you know what? No, I didn't. I said, but you know what? I'm gonna fix that. Yes. And so um, I was doing that. And then once Darnell was able to handle it on his own, I left in, but um, was actually Thanksgiving week of twenty sixteen, okay. and moved back up into Madison, and I started school that January twenty seventeen.
0: Wow, you also, I know you also spoke about you saying your mom inspired you, you know, to come back too. You you, you um, gave her a promise.
1: What was the well, promise? It was my mom. It was mom and Coach Alvarez actually. Coach Alvarez, even though I didn't play football, he knew. Um, he was the football coach at that time. He knew that he's like, look. He said, I just want you to tell me, promise me one thing that when you get done. Um, with your professional career, that you come back and get your degree. Yeah. He said, I know you're gonna leave. And I was like 17, 18 years old or whatever. My mother told me, she was like, nobody from our family has finished school. She was like, so just, I just want you to, you know, I just want you to finish that for yourself. Yeah. Cause that's one thing that they can never take from
0: you. So you were 17, 18 years old, mm-hmm. deciding to leave college to play professional basketball. Yep. Oh man, I mean, how was that? What was your kind of mindset going when you were playing to play overseas or even in the NBA?
1: Does, and then, and no, the, my blessing, another blessing is that because of where I was from and all the um, NBA players that were from Chicago, yeah. I played against them constantly. So it wasn't, a, that's how I was able to dominate in high school so easily because I always played against, I always played against older people,
0: yeah.
1: people that were better than me. I was in eighth grade playing against Terry Cummings, who's an NBA All-Star.
0: Right,
1: right. I wasn't even 200 pounds, you know what I'm saying? Wow. And then you got the Juwan Howers, the Chris Webbers, these dudes, they're older than me. But... I was sitting up to playing against these guys on the, every day, you know what I'm saying? So you either gonna sink or swim. Yeah. So, um, that helped me to become who I was gonna become, you know, a lot faster than um than other people with my whatever so when i got turned professional it was nothing to me because i was used to that besides me besides it being me yeah. i was used to seeing everything the michael jordan's and all that stuff or whatever and seeing the hard work and i started i
0: was a big basketball
1: your factory it's a basketball factory yes.
0: you know? yeah. yeah but talk about you know obviously going overseas mm-hmm. at 18 19. how was that experience for you was it culture shocking Did it make you wake up and say hey like I gotta study the, the, the language, I gotta... Talk about that experience over there.
1: Um, you know what? It was a humbling experience. And what I mean by that is that we go places and you see things in life. So I grew up in the inner city of Chicago. I thought I had it bad. I go over to Turkey, it's a third world country.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I was actually in the um, um, a town called Bursa, um, Team, I played for Tofas, They gave me my opportunity. I always will have love for them. So I played my first two years there. In um, my first two years there, we finished fourth both times in the um, in the Turkish League. Um, I was the youngest MVP ever to to win MVP over there. Um, I left there. My third year, I went to Israel. That was in '97. Then the team in Turkey they had a bad year, and then they brought me back. And then from '97. Literally from 97 until I retired, I won a championship. I won 17 championships, professional championships.
0: Wow.
1: So um, it was an experience because it taught me no matter how much money that I was making or anything, people just took me in when I was there. Me and my father. My father stayed with me when I was over there. So, well, that's true. Um,
0: you got mentor to be
1: me with you. Yeah. so um and it was just like the the amazing part about it is that my father would go make friends and they'd be like oh yeah that's my that's my son and blah 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 and they would go out of their way like in israel i never forget that pops was like well we've been invited to thanksgiving dinner these families don't they don't celebrate a lot of american holidays you know what i'm saying yeah so they made us thanksgiving dinner so me and pops i'm like we got to take something over there so we know we're trying to take stuff over there they're like you take that back with you when you leave we don't need that, so that we we take care of everything, and that's how they are. And it showed me that even though if you don't have a lot, you this just the way they were, the culture.
0: Very welcoming.
1: And and um and even right now, uh, my my good friend um Chef uh, Salvatore who owns um uh, Naples Fifteen. Okay. Uh, he's Italian. He's the same way. He's just a, a heartwarming, giving person, and he's and he's from he's from Naples, and he always when I walk in there. I walk in there to eat. He never lets me leave out of there without nothing in my hand. Yeah. And this is like, you know, he said he don't care about. Like I guess it's not about money. It's about the person with them. And I learned a lot being over there, especially from a young age. And then I come, I leave there, and I come back to the states, and I see how selfish people are.
0: Yes, and it shows like how we are in society. We're very mm-hmm. selfish. Yeah. Just how our actions are you know, what's going on in our world. It, it just... Mm-hmm. I'm happy that it, it was a humble experience for you because I was studying abroad in May and I thought it was a humble experience for myself because I got to realize how different it is mm-hmm. and how, for me... It was great because like the people, I was in Paris, France. Okay. So the people were kind of different. They were a little bit more standoffish. Mm-hmm. And I realized how nice I was. So it kind of gave me an experience like I got assimilated a little bit. I can't dress the same way that I would while in, in Madison, Wisconsin. Just different stuff, but it was different for me. Mm-hmm. So that's great that you were able to really shift and understand and become a better person.
1: Yeah, it, it definitely helped me become a better person because once you, once you realize that you know, in the United States, we had this attitude, big is better, et cetera, et cetera, but we're the ones that sit there. You see only the negative stuff on TV about these foreign countries yeah. um, you don't see how the people treat foreigners and yeah. how they treat it. like like me, like I said, Turkey, I still have a relationship with Turkey, the people from Turkey. I had that part of my camp was the Turkish kids coming over for three months during the summer from June to August, and I trained them every day Monday through Friday um, to get them ready start putting them in colleges. Um, you know, and their parents entrusted their children to come over here for stay with me for three months.
0: That's funny. My, my trainer from back at home had two kids from Germany come over and train with him. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow. Yeah. I mean, that's, kind of, that's cool.
1: Yeah. So it's just like, you know, and in
0: relationships.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know what? That's what understanding this. Basketball is a platform, any sport is a platform. So it gives you a platform to express yourself. So like an artist, so you're an artist. So your only job as being a professional athlete really is to take care of your body and go out there and do play the sport or the game that you love. Um, but the relationship that you build and the people that you meet, that's what's going to carry you through life. And I'm, a, I'm an example of that. You see me coming back to school getting my degree. Yeah. You see me working with the basketball team. You see me doing this or whatever, doing stuff. And that's why I'm getting my degree in community nonprofit leadership. So job. I can go back yeah. and give back to the community. I want to know how to help, you know, and, you know, try to address the issues that need to be addressed. Yeah. And the thing about it is that basketball provided me, gave me that opportunity
0: Hello.
1: to um, do all these things or whatever. And then we have a unique university. Wisconsin, by far to me, is the best university, especially in terms of, besides education, we're always, always gonna be one of the top education universities, but as far as like welcoming back their former athletes and bringing them back and putting them in roles, and more importantly, putting them in positions to succeed Yeah. down the line, you know what I'm saying, for the rest of your life. And it's more family. Wisconsin's not like any other state. Two, Chicago, two and a half hours away. Literally, I don't go back to Chicago that much. I don't. I mean, my family's there, but I don't miss Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a family atmosphere here. Okay. You know, it's, it's unlike any other place. They people really generally want to see you succeed, and if they can help you, they will.
0: Yeah. And that's and how it is overseas. That's awesome. I mean, from my own experience to being here, I've taken advantage of every resources that I've had. They provide a lot of student athletes with different opportunities, but it's important for us to go out there and seek it and and go after it because they're not going to give it to us if we don't ask. But they, they, they do welcome. They do welcome every single person here, and that's awesome that they welcomed you back to be able to come in and get your degree. You mentioned that you, you wanted to you know learn more and give back to the community, obviously. What have you learned within your degree of community nonprofit leadership?
1: Just about what we talked about. It's the stuff that by me being a, um, a older 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 guy, a returning student who's lived life, um, my aspects on things are different because... Your generation didn't go through what I went through when I was growing up and see the things that I've seen. So it's different when you read things in textbooks, um, you see stuff on TV. Yeah. And those people who have the money to donate or the power, the ability to help a community out, they don't understand it. If you come from money, you never understand what it's like to go no. without food. No. What it's like to live in to, to live in an apartment or a house in the wintertime and your your, your mother can't, you know, Robin Peter to pay Paul and the and, the, and the electricity's off. Um, you know what I'm saying? You eating on a you eating on a hot plate. You are stealing electricity from the neighbor's house or from somewhere else. Unless you live that, that gives you and my problem, and I deal with this with my kids right now. We try to protect our kids so they don't have to see that, right? The only problem I have with that is this. It, it takes away from their decision-making how to take care of themselves. Mom and you dad are not going to be there forever. So my thing is, if I send my child, this has happened, I've sent my child somewhere to go hang with their friends. And because we spoil them and give them everything, when they get with them, they're like, well, I don't eat that. And Then you get a phone call like, they're not feeding me, or they don't get this, and they don't get that, I want to come home. No, my mother used to drop, my, literally, my mother used to drop me off when I needed to go, see you when you get back. That was it, because you know what you got to learn. Part of going to college, hmm. I, I tell my brother, I tell my brother and my sister and my nieces and my nephews, go to college. I talked to my nephew Devon the other day. He down in Houston, University of Houston. I said, Devon, this is an opportunity for you to find out who you are, yeah. what you want to do with life, um, what you about, you know what I'm saying? Who are you really about? Not being in the mom and pops or whatever, They not a car ride away. They got to hop on a plane, you know what I'm saying? Um, You got to figure all these things out. Like he was talking about when I want to stay up here for the summer, he's a smart kid. He said, I'm gonna stay up here for the summer so that way I'm in state. So the tuition will be less for my mother and father. People don't, smart kid, people don't think about that. You know what I'm saying? Mom and pops can still pay the twenty, thirty dollars $30,000, whatever it is or whatever, or they can sit there and pay the seven because you live in state. You know what I'm saying? You got an address. And he's thinking about this stuff or whatever, but my brother kind of raised them how we were raised a little bit or whatnot, so I, I mean, it's, I call it Cotlin' Syndrome, <laughs> my, um, my son my, my son, is after me, Rashard Jr., um, his mother cottles him, and then I'm like, but the problem is that when he sits there, the things that he does, it's because of what she does, and she doesn't want to accept that, and I'm telling you, you're doing more harm than good and there's a lot of parents that don't understand that, and we all want the best for our kids, don't get me wrong, we want them but at the end of the day, my job is to make you be able to take care of yourself when you're out there by yourself and be an outstanding young man or woman. And being a parent, you're not going to be liked all the time. No. You know, you're know, you not going to like, see, I gotta ask you a question. Like there's been times that your mother and your father sit up there, had said something and you like, I don't like you right now. Oh, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So you're not going to be liked, but I, ac- I accept that. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? I got to make those decisions for the betterment of you because you don't see what I see. Sure. And so that's what I try to teach these kids and even the boys on the team, I try to tell them, don't don't think about the here and now. Look how that's gonna affect you now, then look who else it is gonna affect. If you do something wrong, like right now, if I sit up here and I was to do something crazy to you or whatever, it's gonna affect you, it's gonna affect me, but look how many other people gonna to have to get involved. Right, you know what right. I'm saying? So and then you gotta bring all these other people or whatever instead of just doing the right thing. To me, doing the right thing is easy. Yeah. The hard thing is, being, doing something that's going to cost you whatever, scholarship or cost you time in jail or whatever the case may be. Or just not being a good person.
0: Yeah, or many whatever. people don't think that about that, though. They always think, well, right now. But it's all about thinking about bigger and better. And Rashad, I'm happy that you're able to come back to college and, and be a mentor for the men's basketball team. But also come back and get your degree and show the way to the youth mm-hmm. and those around you because it's bigger than life all the success that you've had in your career in basketball you are now trying to tell the story of your life Mm -hmm. and help the young youth i appreciate you for being on my podcast today this is a great chat um everybody continue to give me feedback um about my episodes and i'll see you guys for the next episode